Welcome to another episode of Queer Invasion Radio. I'm your host, Susie. And I'm your host, Screamish Joy. And we're here. We're queer. Let's, Let's talk, about, talk it. about it. And today we are joined by Julie Oliver, who is running for Texas House for District 25. And we are really excited to have her on. Susie. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Julie Oliver is a former Medicaid mom and healthcare finance expert running an aspirational 100% pack free campaign for the US House of Representatives. Um, and we are really, really happy to have you here with us. We appreciate uh, you taking your time. You, you have, this is your second time running, is that right? That's right. I ran in 2018. If we moved. And you know, I'm so proud of our 2018 run. I really am. The, and it's not me, but the people who were so committed back then when everybody was like, why on earth would y'all invest time in that race? Why would you invest time in that district? It's not winnable. That Roger Williams had that district drawn for him. You know, you can't mm -hmm. you can't even move it. People didn't believe that. They actually came out and block walked and they made phone calls. They stepped out of their comfort zone and we moved this. We moved it 12 percentage points wow. from a 21 point margin. And so we're here to finish the job. Yeah, sounds fantastic. So, you know, I mean, talk a little bit more about how you're reaching your constituents, especially during the time of COVID and with being in such a interestingly shaped district. <laughs> like, you how, know, are you, how are you getting out there? And, and what's, what's it like out there? What's the atmosphere in your territory? So, it is so strange to be campaigning. It's a very, very different experience to be campaigning in a, in a pandemic because mm -hmm. people are understandably apprehensive about doing anything in person um, or having people come to their doors. So when we first started as a campaign, just sheltering in place, we decided we all like huddled on, I think, a Google Hangouts that first weekend and said, oh my God, what are we going to do? And um, we brainstormed and we said, well, we need to give people some resources because we don't know how long this is going to be. We don't know what uh, what people's positions are going to be. And so we started uh, what we called the coronavirus guide. I really do think we were the first campaign that did it. I noticed after we launched it, a lot of people started launching their coronavirus guide. But it was oh, wow. it was an access to resource um, or it was a resource guide to let people know where they could get things like food uh, assistance or if they needed rental assistance. It was a county specific uh, resource guide, um, local, state, federal. And so we, and we start calling people just to see, are you okay? Can we get you anything? So that was what campaigning looked like in those first moments after um, we all started sheltering in place. We even had animal feed delivered to an older woman who was afraid to go out. Wow. That's and awesome. just that trying is... to be helpful to people. That's what we should do as a community. Just help each other. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's incredible. How, and that's from which part of your, where did you get the greatest amount of assistance and to whom did it go? So, you know, after, you know, making connections with people from the 2018 cycle and all the way up through the primary, you know, when we found people who were in need, we have, a, we have like an internal Slack channel, or if it was in a different county, we know all the county Democrats, you know, some of the counties only have like maybe 12 of them, but um, just kidding, there are more, but uh, you know, we know who <laughs> the, like the lady who needed the animal feed, she was an elderly lady and she needed chicken feed, but she was really nervous about going out to even a feed store. So we called the county chair and the county chair had somebody go deliver chicken feed to her front porch, which is, you know, that's yeah. cute. Yeah. 
it's how we should function. I mean, in general, we and should we be there for each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we shouldn't have to be told to do it either. Right. Well, I think a lot of people were looking for ways like, oh my gosh, how do I help people right now? How do I, how can I be helpful? I think we were all looking like, oh my God, what is, what are we living through? This is, oh, never lived through anything like this before. And I, you know, I started even my own neighborhood seeing signs go up that said, if you need your, your grocery shopping done, please call me. And they'd have their phone number on a sign in their front yard, wow. which is really remarkable. I think just people were just wanting to help a woman in our, on our next door, you know, uh, the little next door app. Yeah. yeah. She was like, I've got eggs. I've got like however many chickens. She's like, I'm taking signups if you want eggs. And, you know, people were looking for ways in their own small way to help others. And that was, I think the, the most beautiful part of seeing, you know, communities actually can come together for a common good when there's something really horrible happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's- and makes it, I, 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 it's like, it, which makes it interesting. I'm sorry. I just want to like roll into this. Maybe it, that, that we would, that our governor would pass a law that would allow caring people to discriminate against people. Like when almost we're like in the he's time. asking you to discriminate. <laughs> almost like that, you know? And, and so I guess, can you speak to your thoughts on that recent happening? Oh um, my goodness. I will try to keep this with, with no expletives, no, no. expletive free. Um, but I am so, I mean, my God, what is wrong with our governor? There's something wrong with him. He is pandering to the most extreme group of, of people in, in our state because he's fearful of getting primary. So he can't do the right thing. He, could, he couldn't do the right thing if it came and bit him in the ass or bit him in the leg, he wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to do the right thing. And, you know, allowing for, for people who are in some of the hardest work in America, social work, it mm-hmm. is not an easy job. Absolutely not. Um, the things that social workers have to encounter on a daily basis and see sometimes is something that most of us haven't seen. Um, I would liken it perhaps to what servicemen and women might see in combat. I mean, it's not war, but it's a different type of of it's a different type of war that is raging. Well, that, you know, I mean, they, they certainly take on an, an emotional and personal trauma with that, but in, in, in relating it to war, it's not a phys, it's not always the same physical threat, but right. what they visually see is so overwhelming that I would assume it would have to create PTSD and beyond. I mean, and it, it would, I guess what is so frustrating to me is that he's allowed to get away with um, and it's, it's basically pandering to hate. I don't know what to call it other than our governor panders to hate. And well, okay. So we're queer. We get, we get the hate. We're used to the hate, but what the fuck with the dis- disabled people? Why would you do that? To whom are you, uh, who, who is that pandering? How to? can you, I don't even understand how. I know, isn't the ADA? Yeah, doesn't the ADA override that at a federal level? Like, I I don't understand why that word was even included, honestly. Right, I I don't know either, but this is a state um, under whose leadership they have uh, basically, you know, uh, flagrantly disobeyed federal law. They have done it routinely. And in fact, I keep saying the party of law and order is really the party that disobeys laws until they are ordered to by a court. 
Mm. And in Texas, we see that. I mean, we we have state law that requires everybody who gets a driver's license to be automatically registered to vote if they're a citizen. You know, if they're over 18 and they're a citizen, they are automatically, they're supposed to be automatically registered to vote. It's the only area where we have automatic, supposedly automatic registration. Right. They don't they don't follow the laws. They flagrantly disobey them. And then they, and then it's like, well, we'll sue you, you know, or they wait for somebody to come in and sue the state of Texas. It's such a gross mismanagement of our resources. Hmm. But also- yeah, you're right. The ADA, um, this is why we need people at the federal law though to I will say the ADA has been weakened over time by Republicans. Sure. Um, but we do need we need a, a to pass a new civil rights law that that is far more encompassing than the original civil rights law, which was, you know, for the time, it was an impressive piece of legislation, but it definitely needs some updating to to protect, um, you know, the LGBTQIA population, to protect folks with disabilities. Um, And honestly, to to make sure that we allow people who are eligible to vote, to vote, Mm -hmm. and not put up those stinking roadblocks that, um, that, that these states do. And with respect, you know, to even, you know, police uh, violence in communities, that should be fall under a civil rights law. If a police officer is violating somebody's civil rights, that should fall under, uh, uh, you know, the U.S. Department of Justice's jurisdiction to be able to go in and, and prosecute that. Maybe not under Bill Barr, but we're going to get a new AG soon. <laughs> I'm like, no. But, <laughs> Bill Barr's time's a coming. His time oh. is a ticking. I'd like to see that for Lindsey Graham too. And right? John Cornyn. Yeah. Like, it's time. What do you think about his chances, by the way? John Just, Cornyn's? Yeah. Or Lindsey Graham's? I think John. MJ's going to clean house with John Cornyn. Really? I do. I really do. Um, he can pretend now in these ads that he's some sort of moderate who cares. I saw, I think it was a door hanger. First of all, his door hanger. Have y'all seen the door hanger? No, no. I'm not. Oh my God. I don't know what the scene is behind him, but he looks like he's in church singing to the audience. He's got a microphone in his hand. You'll have to find this door hanger. I, I will. I will. Email it to you. We have it. We have Please. it somewhere internally. Um, but he looks like he's singing at church, like on a like his eyes are kind of like. Oh my! Know. You know that look. Um, yeah. And then it, he tries to sound like he's some sort of moderate guy who cares about people, you know, and like that's not who you are. You have been an extremist since you were on the Texas Supreme Court. Absolutely. I don't know if a lot of people know this he was on the Texas Supreme Court before he was attorney general and then he ran for Senate, but he was an activist jurist as a sitting uh, Texas Supreme Court. You know what they always accuse the, the left side yeah. of the, the bench to be. He was actually an activist jurist, but he did it to benefit corporate interests. He certainly wasn't trying to help Texans. He was trying to help those, those artificial um, entities that protect owners from liability called corporations. Those are not people, even if the Supreme Court says they're people, they're not people. They're not. They're they're not. Absolutely. John Cornyn for me, just, and, and as many of our, many of our longtime leaders, <laughs> finger quotes, right. everybody, um, you know, he just, he just is so detached and disconnected. He's, it's like, I want to call him a ghost, except I know he's, he does so much damage in the background that it's not fair or, or even right to do it, but it's, he's, he's so not there for his constituents. I believe that is just the truth. I don't know how the man could tour a, de- a te- uh, excuse me, a detention facility. Um, mm. 
and not be moved by what you see. I don't know how, how do you go on with the charade of trying to support uh, a president who is the most corrupt president in the United States. And I mean, truly let's get in our history and at least in our lifetimes, I know we've had some corrupt ones, but in our lifetimes, Donald Trump has been the most corrupt president there has ever been. Yeah. He's like real stupid, but thinks he's real smart. I mean, he's eating. I mean, only here. It's crazy. Right. <laughs> it's like, if you could have combined the worst of like, all of these bad fascist leaders or dictators, we'd end up with Donald Trump. Yeah. And maybe maybe even if you mix the skin color color and added a little bit of, you know, <laughs> red and you know, Donald, I mean, as 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 horrible as he is, um, you know, we I like to say we earned him. He is you know, us. We, he is, he us. is us. He, he is he is a dark representation of who we are, and and frankly, to me, of our apathy. Like mostly, to me, mostly, he represents our apathy. He just represents us like checking out and not caring. Because I'm sorry, I can say I I am really, really, really encouraged by the turnouts at this election. I think people have end maybe of 2018. Been- and of 2018 too, but you know, this election is taking that up. I think, I think hopefully we will override that by significant amounts, but 2016, when you look at that, the apathy of 2016, like we didn't show up, we let that, you know, I mean, there, you know, it, it happened, it happened, <laughs> it, went, it was stolen from us for sure. But it's, if you look at the number of people who just were not present to vote, and I know that our country does not make it easy, but I also know so many, I mean, this year I have had at least five of my friends, I'm 50 years old and I have voted in every election that I've been allowed to vote in since I turned 18. Like I've, it's a value that I hold and I think it's powerful, but I've had at least five of my friends that are my age vote for the first time in their life this year. That says so much. So and they're sad. posting it and saying it. They're saying, I've never thought I was political. I never thought I had to care. I can't not care anymore. And that yeah. just, you know, and, and people that I assumed voted, I mean, like it blo- like blows my mind. I'm like, oh my God. So right. anyway, I just, yeah. to speak to that, you know, I think apathy has hurt us and we're paying for it. Well, I, I, yeah, that's, I would agree. What do you think, Julia? Is this who we are or is it who, who we were? I think it, yes, it, it is. But, it, you know, I think what it's it's also revealing is that it's not too late to wake up. I mean, I think for a lot of us, we did wake up in 2016, like, oh my gosh, I did nothing more than vote. There's a lot more yeah. to this now than just voting. Than Thank just God voting. people are waking up though. They need to be I, active. They do. Yeah. Um, and I, I, mean, I certainly didn't have any level of engagement other than voting prior to 2016. No. And you know, yeah, I'd be like, oh my God, that kind of sucks, but never thought to pick up the phone and even call any of my representatives. And most of the time, like I would, I knew that at a federal level because they had carved up Austin. I'm like, well, what is it? What good is it going to do to ca- call any of these Republicans anyway? But if they don't hear from you, if they don't hear from you, if you don't clog their, li- their lines, if you don't clog their inboxes, then they're going to assume that what they're doing is right. And you can't let them think that, that what they're doing is right. So do you think that these postcard uh, draw, you know, drives and, and, and the calls and the emails, do those work? Do you, do you, do they react to those? Do you think, or do you think 
I mean, I just see Cornyn and Cruz just going, meh. Well, <laughs> I don't know that I, here's what, honestly, what I think, I think they still are like, meh. Yeah. But I do think they track the numbers. I, I really do. I think they track numbers. That and um, I, I think that we are living in a very different, if Trump wasn't our president, they might be acting a little differently still, maybe the rhetoric you'd hear, but they, their votes might be revealed a little differently. If, but they're so, you know, so far gone on um, swallowing the Trump Kool-Aid because they're just terrified. I mean, it's what Greg Abbott is doing right now. He, he's terrified of getting primaried and somebody's saying, look at him, he's too, he's too moderate. Greg Abbott, moderate. Uh, right, whatever. Who is gonna primary that as to the, I mean, dear God. Alex Jones, who knows? Oh I mean, God, no. <laughs> All I ever think about when I hear him is the, when he's pounding the table going, daughter's turning the frogs, yay. I love that. <laughs> I, I want that to be my ringtone. <laughs> turn in the crowds. So, um, okay. So, on, when when you sent us information um, on your bio and stuff, there was a uh, you had talked about um, a couple of things that you worked with the the central health uh, and uh, I want to say Div Inc. Dive Inc. Div Inc. What are these? Can you tell us what these are? Yeah, Central Health is the Travis County Healthcare District. It's a um, it's a quasi governmental uh, agency. I don't know what to call it. It collects property tax revenue that okay. then gets um, used to to fund healthcare in Travis County. And so all of the board members are appointed um, volunteer either by city council or commissioner's court. And so we come together, it's um, to create budgets for healthcare in Travis County. And, and typically it's for the healthcare of folks who can't afford it. So whether that's somebody who falls below a certain income threshold and they qualify for something called the MAP program, which is medical access program. Um, we fund uh, federally qualified healthcare clinics, FQHCs. Those are not-for-profit clinics that have to provide a certain amount of their um, services to, to folks who are below, again, a certain income threshold. Um, whether it's Sendero, if y'all have ever heard of Sendero, it is the Affordable Care Act exchange product. Um, I feel really proud of the work I did in 2018 when that was on the chopping block um, from Travis County Healthcare District wasn't going to continue funding it. Really? And um, yeah, it, it almost got eliminated. Oh, um, wow. And, it, and I'll, I'll give you a super quick like what happened. It was Travis County remarkably is still a healthier population of people, even an injured population compared to other counties. Mm. And so the way the ACA was set up is there's these cost sharing subsidies, but there are the, the members who provide exchange product kind of look at everything at the end of the year and say, you kind of shore each other up. So if this county has a higher percentage of really, really sick people and their costs are higher then the other insurance companies feed in and, and help defray those costs. We are really healthy, our members relatively healthy. So right. we had a program where like, well, what we could do is add people who are really, really sick, who are currently in that MAP program. They don't have an insurance program, they just have MAP. Let's move them over or let's let them move over if they want to. We'll fund all of their premiums so they're not out of pocket anything. Wow. But they have wider access to more doctors, more specialists, 
go to, you know, different hospitals instead of just one. And doing that, you know, did, did, yeah, increase the cost of that pool of people, but then we got funding from other counties. Other areas. So, yeah, and we sense. were able to save Sendero. I was really proud to lead the effort to save it. I was one of three board members who voted to keep it because I knew like, this is a lifeline for people. If you get rid of Sendero, 14,000 people immediately become uninsured, wow. immediately. And, wow. um, and so our board voted to kill it. And I told people, I was like, well, we have one final option. We can go to Travis County Commissioner's Court because they approve our budget on an annual basis. This is part of our budget process. We went to, I rallied like hundreds of people to show up and uh, Travis County Commissioner's Court said, you guys need another week to review your budget, which they gave us. We reviewed it and guess what? Every board member suddenly decided they wanted to save Sendero. No, it was the right thing to do. It really was. Wow. Um, and we've seen that since then we are doing much better, like adding this pool of people who are unfortunately sicker, but they get better care. I mean, they're getting a higher level of care. I was for, a, for I was a, a beneficiary of MAP right. many, many years ago. I didn't have health insurance and I had some pretty serious health problems. And I went there and found out that I made too much money to go there, but they had another place to send me, you yeah. know, I mean, they, it's just so cool. And it's not, um, it, it seems like it's local, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, I mean, there's no, County. yeah. Yeah. So what about, what can we teach other counties about that? Are, are, are they interested in anything like that? <laughs> so we do have some healthcare districts in Texas outside of Travis County. Um, uh, San Antonio has a healthcare district, uh, Bear County, um, Harris County, El Paso, Tarrant County, Dallas, um, and then Bosque County, one of the districts in our counties in my district, which is a small, tiny rural, but the, it was the thing that they had to do to save their rural hospital is impose oh, wow. a property tax that would fund and keep their, their hospital open. Wow. Just to keep their hospital that's, open. That's a big problem right now in rural areas for sure is losing medical care completely, not just not having insurance, but not even having access, period. Well, and the Republicans in that county were like, you're not going to raise taxes. It barely passed. It barely passed. But if they had not raised taxes in, uh, in Bosque County, that hospital would have closed. It did not have the bottom line to, to support its operations. It was operating in the red. And um, a, a, an important lifeline to a community would have been literally a lifeline, your ER. Um, if you have a stroke or a heart attack, time is not on your side. You need to get to the nearest facility to get emergent care and yeah. get stabilized. Absolutely. So um, other counties could do it, but they have to enact a, a property tax program. We're, we're more like the bigger counties that also, in addition to hospital services, we provide the clin clinical services and now specialty services. and. Um, but it is, it's a really important function because Texas, we just do things so screwy here. We, you know, before the pandemic, we had the highest uninsured population in the United States. And so uh -huh. we are forced to kind of piece together these, like, well, what as a county can you do? And so we're mm -hmm. having to pay our property taxes to create these, you know, funding mechanisms for folks who can't afford insurance. And Abbott just told us that if we defund our police, which we did, that he was going to freeze our property taxes, right? So that means we can't do any of yes. the things that we want to do. So once again, Abbott is stepping on us in Austin, yes. <laughs> at least. Yeah, I think he's he forgets the role he serves. He's governor. He is not the mayor, and he's not the uh, Travis County judge. He hates so, Austin. 
he hates us. And I wish he didn't live here. Y'all, do you know that he lives in my district? The oh. governor is in district 25. How, oh, wow. Like, seriously. Well, I mean, that means he's going to be, that means he will be my constituent. Do you think he'll vote for you? Yes. <laughs> I'm really hopeful. <laughs> I'm so hopeful. But it's a mail-in ballot. <laughs> right. He gets to mail in his ballot. Mm -hmm. Nobody else does. All the, all the important people get to do that. Yeah, the governor's mansion is in District 25, as is the Capitol. Wow, yeah. my my parents are in your district, and I see when I go over there, I see your signs all over the place. And all I had to do was mention your name, and my aunt said, "I know her." <laughs> we we actually have a we have we have a good friend who's been working very very hard on your behalf, campaigning for you, Ann Abear. She's yeah. like, oh, I love Ann. Do you yeah, know Ann? Yeah. Every every weekend. <laughs> She's, she's working. She's she such a hard worker. Good shout out for Anne. Yes. We she, went. We went to high school with Anne. Yeah, we've, we've actually we've we went to grade Anne school. Since, what, we've known her. Yeah, like eight years we old eight. or something. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, the three of us go way back. We do. We grew up in Georgetown, so yeah. we're locals. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. I had no we, idea. I didn't even know that she grew up in Georgetown. Yeah, she. We don't like to tell a lot of people. Uh, that <laughs> it was a lot Georgetown's become like it, it's a changed city. It is it's not a, a small much, town anymore. It's become a much more progressive place than it was when we were there. That's for yeah, sure. I think there were something like five thousand people when we lived there when we were growing up. First moved there, there were five thousand people in that town. That that right there. I mean, they went blue in the last in the twenty eighteen election, and that right there is proof that things can change because yeah. Georgetown was a deeply red town when we yeah. were growing up there. So painfully i so. still think of it i like i think of sheriff chody i'm like oh, oh what a great name <laughs> right away i mean this this is this is an october episode so we can't talk about really scary things yeah. um, <laughs> i think chody. we have been <laughs> yeah we have been <laughs> we talk about scary spooky politics <laughs> like, there are going to be some men who just by their last name alone like oh man you just pulled a chody or yes. yo <laughs> you just pulled a yoho. Yo we had a yoho yo on our campaign. Somebody yohoed my campaign manager. No. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. And I'm letting people. I don't. He got his feelings hurt. He got his feelings hurt. His big old. His big boy feelings hurt. His man victimization feelings. Yeah, a little bit of that. Oh my That's god! Funny. I'll have to tell y'all off the air. But he ended up. My campaign manager is truly one of the nicest people you will ever meet and one of the most patient people you will ever meet. Oh. And um, he got his feelings hurt about something and um, he cussed her out. He cussed her out. And, <laughs> and I had to let um, some higher ups know that we were letting one of our consultants go because he I said, he had a yo-ho moment with my, with my manager. And like, everybody knows what that means now. Yeah. Yeah, everybody does know what that means. And it's a man doing it to a woman. I'm sorry. I'm not going to call it out. That's not acceptable. That's not. I'm okay. I'm going to I'm going to take I'm going to try to do this as quickly as possible, but one of yeah. my favorite one of my favorite personal corporate moment stories was when a man was yelling at me in a meeting and I responded to him, "You can talk louder and I will only talk slower." <laughs> And his head exploded right before my eyes. <laughs> oh, 
it was like it's one of my favorite moments in life <laughs> it worked he turned that's around. a really good response it yeah. did i just and i just i would i just keep talking slower and slower and slower yeah. i don't care how loud you get she's really good at antagonizing <laughs> it's fun um so <laughs> sorry uh, what what <laughs> What, what is your constituency made up of? What are your demographics really? What are you dealing with? Well, it's, it's really interesting. It still is a, well, until we get the final 2020 census numbers, which God only knows if they're going to be somewhat accurate or. We ended it early, right? Yeah, we ended it early. Um, I came to my farm seven times. That's good. Seven that times. really good. I they do really know- did. The census workers were working their hearts out. No, they were, were absolutely seriously. working their hearts out. It's not for trying on their part. Um, they were given a lot of, again, a lot of roadblocks. And, and we don't have a governor who can stand up to say, no, this is, a, you know, a constitutionally mandated thing. We take a census and we shouldn't interfere with it. That's right. Especially when it comes to our state's funding. You should not interfere, Mr. President. That's right. Yeah. We don't have that. Absolutely. We don't have that political. We don't have a courageous governor. We don't. We really don't. So, um, so it's about eighty percent white, twenty um, percent, you know, non-white. But that's about twelve percent uh, Hispanic, and you're talking about ethnicity. Um, about eight percent, no, not quite eight percent. There's still, you know, six to seven percent African American, and then um, you know, three percent ish that are other, whether it's Asian American or you know. And what about the uh, age age group? Oh, that's now that. That is, it's widely varies. Oh my goodness. It's, um, you've got UT proper in our district, but not mm. West Campus. And you've got half of Tarleton State because they t- gerrymandered Tarleton State. Um, and yeah, I would say the, the rural co- counties are definitely an older demographic, but we have, I think out of all of the Travis County congressional districts, we have about 30% of Travis County in our congressional district, or at least by voting, wow. um, voting population. So uh, we have, I think, a very young, uh, younger demographic when you pull in Hayes County and Travis County. The demographics of Hayes County have changed so much over these yeah. last few years. You have a lot of people who left Austin for, you know, more land, um, more, you know, not quite as expensive. Um, and if they were having young kids, you know, schools that they could, you know, good, really good public schools. Mm-hmm. So I feel encouraged, especially by the runoff. I mean, we weren't in a runoff, but here in Travis County, when 40% of the people or just under 40% of the people who voted were under the age of 40, um, about an equal number were the age group from 40 to 64. And it was a small percentage that was um, over 65. Hmm, really? So that gave me a tremendous amount of encouragement. Yes. Young yeah, I agree with are that. In, very engaged. And I can tell you 2018, they're starting to get engaged, but the level of engagement I've seen this cycle from not even millennials, Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And even whoever's younger than G- Gen Z, we have some people who have not even finished high school who are volunteering. Wow. Yeah, I've, seen, I've seen that. I've seen like 15 and 16 year olds out there, you know, saying like, I can't vote yet, but I can do a lot of work, you know, yeah. and that's I awesome. I, we, Stephanie and I've said this before, we, we weren't really taught this stuff uh, in, in school. When we were in school, we graduated in late 80s. And uh, we didn't have civics and we didn't have ethics and we didn't, we didn't take these classes. They weren't offered. So uh, getting 
young people involved in civics and government early, I think is so, so important. I feel like those kids in Florida got a kickstart at Parkland. They are going to, I can't wait to see those kids come up. Well, that's, that's what's, um, you know, young people are, are paying attention and whether it is gun violence that maybe caught their attention, even if they weren't directly, you know, impacted by it, it caught their attention. And in that moment, they're like, their life wasn't this infinite, uh, didn't have infinite possibilities in that moment that we had Parkland. Um, they saw themselves as, oh my God, that could have been me. Yep. Or when is it going to happen to me? Yeah. And I've talked to high schoolers who that's their thought. It's like, we're just waiting when, yeah. because it happens with such incredible frequency. Maybe not now because, you know, kids are in and out of school, but, um, you know, up until we were sheltering in place, you know, we, we had our, we've had our own here in Texas. And yeah. well, I mean, I definitely have seen people posting that one of the benefits of COVID has been no school shootings. Um, Instead, we're just, uh, we've got militias kidnapping governors. Well, okay. So I'll give you an example. I feel like, my God, we have failed people in our country. We have failed people, not, not collectively, like literally you and me, because a lot of these people are our age group, but I went to the women's March two days ago, right? Or was that yesterday? I don't even know. It was Saturday? Saturday. Saturday? Okay. Sunday. What day is it today? What is yeah. it? Today? Yeah, it's Monday. Right? What is today? Today's Monday. <laughs> Monday is today. Um, and, you know, it was supposed to be at Woldridge Park with that little gazebo pavilion. Well, militia yeah. people surrounded it. So the women's march couldn't have it. And, and you know what Wendy did? Wendy, I love her so much, Wendy Davis. God bless her. She went over to a park bench, stood on it with a bullhorn and just had her, you know, started the rally there. Good for her. And she's, she's like, you know. my district. I got to love her. Oh my God, yeah. I love yeah. her so much. But I, it was. Yeah. I would love to see all of y'all in. Wouldn't that be great? You and Maddie and uh, Wendy and Aaron. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. That would be so awesome. Um, we only have a few minutes left. Is there anything else you'd like to, to share with us and constituents and let us know what you're, what you've got going on? Well, we are, you know, these final two weeks. Oh my gosh. I can't even believe that those words are coming out of my mouth and it's only two weeks. But, uh, in these final two weeks, we really are, we're making calls to everybody. So it's called get out the vote, G-O-T-V, get out the vote. So for the folks who have not actually gone to the polling place and we do stop calling you, once you vote, you will not get those harassing texts or phone calls from us reminding you to vote. <laughs> if you want to stop us from calling, don't type in S-T-O-P into your text message. <laughs> Go vote. That's how you get up to really go. I love that. Yeah. I love that. It's the I'm only on my birthday. Yay. <laughs> so it, yeah, it's, it's go vote. And um, if, but if you want to help us make those calls or text messages or lit drop, what Anna Bear is doing every weekend is she's taking our campaign literature and leaving it on doors, you know, um, that we think are supportive doors or that have the potential to be supportive doors. Yeah. So that's a really easy, you wear your mask. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't knock on the door. You just leave it and go on to the next one super easy and you know some of the fall weather has been lately pretty nice today was a little muggy mm-hmm. but yeah we've been really fortunate not to have ridiculously hot days that's mm-hmm. no doubt well another shout out to miss a bear um, yeah. what a <laughs> diligent worker he's rocking it for real 
And can you tell everyone how they can find you and get more yes. information if they need to? Yes, julieoliver.org is my website. And I do have about as many campaign issues as my husband who programmed the website. I was like, stop with the issues. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we have to have an animal rights one. We do an animal rights. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, really, seriously, we do. I mean, like, it's very important things. It is. I mean, there are a lot of important issues on there, but I did, when, I think when, when I finally was like, can we do animal rights too? I think he was like, okay, I'm done typing. <laughs> I'm tired of typing. So, julieoliver.org um, on Facebook, and I have no idea why I didn't make these all uniform. Facebook is Julie for Texas. But if you find me on Instagram or Twitter, it's Julie Oliver TX. Okay. So I should have done the cohesive. It's a pain thing. in the ass to do, especially when you've already set one up or two up and then you want to do them yeah. all the same. Yeah, no, it's hard. <laughs> we still are trying to get us somewhere. Yeah, we, to do we've only changed ours like twice so that we could get them all the same. <laughs> I was going to say, I know we had like a million topics to talk about tonight too. I know we had like a whole list and I apologize, but I no. would love at any time if y'all want to have me back, I would love when we can actually yes. not just focus on Greg Abbott. Um, yes, please. <laughs> that would be so fun. Um, we'll have you back when you win. Yeah. And <laughs> no matter, we'll have you back next year, no matter what, but you're going to be, you, you might be real busy. And if you're real busy, you can give us some really high contact names that we could talk to also. Right. Absolutely. See, look at that. It's all yeah. About networking. Yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> awesome. it is. I learned that when I start, ran for office in 2018. It really is about networking. It's about it is connections. It's Thank about making those connections. It's about making connections. Thank well, you so much, ours. Julie. Ours I'm so Annie Bear and us. Yes, Annie Bear. She's the one who 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 is the glue. My goodness, we should call her and let her know she's glue. I think she's um, going to be our next. We're going to invite her on the show. Might as well. We can just sit and talk about high school. That would be awesome. I'd, I'd tune into that. <laughs> thank you so much for being here and we will call you back. Trust thank us. Thank you, Julie. And oh, thank you all. This is fun. You've been listening to Queer Invasion Radio. We're here, we're queer, and we need your support. So find us on Patreon or follow us on social media at QI Radio USA and listen to us wherever you hear podcasts. And don't forget to share our stuff and tell all your friends. Thanks, Thanks y'all. <laughs>